Good morning, everyone. I'm Claire Thompson, and I'm a very dignified person. Um, <laughs> it's very nice to be with you, and uh, yeah, yeah, some of you, a few of you have said, oh, I haven't seen you for ages, because um, I haven't been around in this service, but yeah, my husband, Greg, has been toing and froing from Ukraine to Bristol a lot last year, and I sort of felt like Love Bristol needed a bit of a bit of support in that. So um, it's, it's just so good to be with you all. And what we're doing then today is we're carrying on this series of, on prayer, and we're looking at the subject of prayer and revelation. Revelation, what is revelation? Big word, word full of mystery, word, you know, maybe you, your mind immediately goes to the book of Revelation in the Bible. Are we going to talk about that? Are we going to work out how we have that kind of um, prophetic revelation. Well, we're really just homing in on the idea that God wants to reveal himself through our prayer lives, to speak to us and um, to show us things. And really, you know, if you listen to the worship, listen to Jane leading the worship, that's what she's praying at different points in the worship is show yourself, show your nature, help us to connect with you, help us to see you like Poppy's eyes have been opened in a way that they weren't before. So God is a revealing God. And so really we're asking the question today, is your prayer life a one-way or a two-way conversation? Is it possible that prayer can be a two-way conversation? How's that going for you? Do you feel like um, that's a little bit hard going, a bit of an uphill struggle? What are the questions that you have about how God speaks and, you know, I'm somebody who in my life probably has had a lot of questions about how God speaks. I feel like I've kind of got a little way into the subject matter. But um, I, I've probably got a, uh, in my history, I've got a bit of a skeptical framework that I'm working with, where I tend to sort of think, oh, I don't know if that's really God speaking. And um, years ago, I was going for a walk on the Downs, and um, at the time, we were starting some prophetic training here at Woody's, and we're very grateful here at Woody's for the prophetic clinics. If you haven't come across them, they happen once a month. You can find out about them on the website, and they're an opportunity that you can have to check in to this clinic and book yourself in for um, a bit of time where people will pray and listen to God for you. And the team that have been doing that, some of them have been doing that for 15 years, and they're amazing. And frequently, we have stories of people saying, wow, that was just um, revelatory to me. Revelation happened um, when I went to the prophecy clinic. So check that out on the website. And we're grateful to that team for being people who've honed the art of listening to God really well. So anyway, we're starting all this stuff off and I was going for a walk on the downs, not sure where I was at with it all, but um, anyway, as I walked, I saw it was conquer season and I picked up a conquer and I thought to myself in a slightly cynical way, <laughs> I'll pop that in my pocket and I might use it at the prophecy clinic. It's a good illustration of something. It's a picture of something. I didn't know what it was. Um, so I put it in my pocket, went off, did the prophecy clinic training, and at the end we did a little activation thing where um, somebody was put in the middle of the room and everybody who was practicing and learning, like me, um, uh, had to sort of pray and just ask God, is there anything you want to say to this person? And I did that. And as I was praying, the conquer popped into my mind. And I thought, oh, I got the conquer. <laughs> I'll get the conquer out and I'll say something about what, prickly hard shell, something, I don't know, I was just sort of thinking in my mind, but anyway, when I picked this conqueror up, I looked at this guy, and I just thought to myself, 
you look very serious. In fact, you look a little bit heavy. He's a young guy. And I thought, I just said to God, is there anything, what could I say to him about this conquer and that sort of thing? And I just felt a sense to say, oh, um, that God's your father and he wants you to learn how to be a child. Because, you know, the whole thing about conquers is the childhood games that we play with conquers and it's all part of that kind of season isn't it so anyway I said a few things like that and then we went around did some feedback afterwards and I was the last in the feedback thing and and he got to me and he said he pulled this put this conquer out and he said I'm South African and in South Africa we don't have conquer trees and I've never seen a conquer before until 24 hours ago when in the last 24 hours three people have walked up to me and said, I don't know if you've seen one of these, it's called a conquer, and everyone in England plays these games, childhood games, <laughs> with conquers. My boss at work came and put one on my desk, my friend came and put one in my pocket and said, this is a conquer, and he said, um, the other thing that's happening to me is recently I've been saying to God, I really need to know you as a father, and um, I need to know what it is to be your child. And no one was more surprised than me <laughs> that, that somehow in my kind of relationship with God and my walk on the downs and my thoughts and my slight skepticism and that somehow something had come together where it felt like God had revealed himself to this guy, but also to me. And um, it sort of raised more questions than it answered in some ways. How do you actually listen to God? How do you know what to home in on? So that's kind of, we're talking about the idea of God revealing himself to us. Now I asked my friend Abby, who's a very spiritual lady, who's on the prophecy clinics, what would you say revelation is all about? And she said this, she said revelation from God comes from intimacy with God. There's a slide for that. Revelation from God comes through intimacy with God. What does that mean? How can you be intimate with God? I wonder if Poppy, is, is, and her story is unfolding, have you, uh, is that something that you would relate to, the idea of being intimate with God? And Abby would say that her relationship with God, the closer it gets, the more likely you are to be able to hear God's voice for him to reveal himself through, um, through your prayer life. So we're just going to look at a passage now where Paul, the Apostle Paul is talking in, one, in 2 Corinthians And he's talking about his prayer life and about God revealing himself to him and his voice um, speaking to Paul through his prayer life. And there's just a couple of perspectives that I feel like we could have to help us posture ourselves to become better at or more open to or more able to hear God's voice and um, have him reveal himself to us through prayer. So here we go. This is from 2 Corinthians 12, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And he says this, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Wow. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things things that no one is permitted to tell. Then he goes on to say, but to keep me from being puffed up with pride because of the many wonderful things I saw. So turns out the man is Paul. 
I was given a painful physical ailment which acts as Satan's messenger to beat me and keep me from being proud. Three times I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away. But his answer was, my grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. I am most happy then to be proud of my weaknesses in order to feel the protection of Christ's power over me. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's, so that's one passage from Paul about his prayer life. And here's another in the letter to the church at Ephesus. And it's Paul again in a slightly different voice. Let's read this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may break power for us who believe. So there's Paul talking about his prayer life and also praying for us as believers down through the centuries that we would have this sense of wisdom and revelation from God. And um, so here's three perspectives that I think might help us to sort of open up to the voice of God and maybe be able to learn how to hear more. So the first thing I want to say is get control of your soul. Okay, what am I talking about? I think that God wants us to be the sort of people that can hear him. And it's not totally straightforward because we're not straightforward. You're not and I'm not. And inside us, in the kind of area of what we might call the soul, which is the kind of our mind, our will, our emotions, that interior part of us, that is not just our spirit that connects with God, but our inner world. It's noisy, isn't it? You and I, inside, when we look inside, there are all sorts of tensions, things that pull at us, our longing to be known, recognized, our longing for, um, to, to have power over certain things, our longing for um, somebody else to see how right we are if we have an argument, our anger, our fear, our, the things that pull at us, our fear for our children. So when we're coming to God in prayer, we bring all of that inner world to God, don't we? And it's difficult, if we're really honest, not to just kind of download a load of fear and lists to God. And particularly when it's praying for somebody else that we really love and care for. Particularly, I think, for parents praying for their children. It's noisy in our inner world. And Paul, when he talks about this, this, this first passage, he's talking about the idea that he's had this ex this time with God. Now, it's 14 years ago. He's obviously not really been talking about it, but he's had this time with God, and he's heard things, and he's very aware that his ego is in there. And it's possible for your ego, when you hear from God, to kind of become very noisy. And he's aware of that tension, and he's also aware that when he... Um, that he feels that God has actually allowed him to become, have something that he calls his thorn in the flesh, that sort of keeps his pride at bay and keeps him humble, keeps him needing God. And in fact, his revelation that he got where he just saw things that he couldn't express, he keeps that to himself 
but he gives this revelation out of his relationship with God about the suffering that he's stuck in. And honestly, how many of us in this room have been given that verse in a time of suffering and struggle? There's revelation that he gets out of his suffering and difficulty. My power is made perfect in weakness. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. It's such a counterintuitive thing. It has the feel of revelation about it. So there's Paul. And so actually getting control of your soul is about posturing yourself to be the sort of person that God can speak to. Recognizing that we have got these kind of inner tensions and things that actually can get in the way. Our pride can get in the way. Our fear can get in the way. Our desire for all sorts of things can get in the way. And so we need to learn how to be quiet in there. You know, frequently in scripture it seems like Um, God speaks in a quiet voice. You know, we know some of the familiar stories, don't we? But he also speaks in ways that aren't totally obvious. And so learning to quiet, like the psalmist says, I have stilled and quietened my soul. What does that mean? It means getting into a posture where God can speak. I've stilled and quietened my soul. I've learned how to tell my fears to calm down. I've learned how to tell my ego to submit to God. So being quiet, asking God to look at us, examine us, coming to in a place, into a place of humility. Humility is essential if we're to be able to receive something from God and not become petite, uh, completely inflated with pride over what God said to us. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. So openness to God and a quietness of spirit and an ability to choose that posture that says, I'm going to respond openly. I'm going to respond to what you say to me. I'm not already preset with all my stuff so that you can't get through. So there's a challenge for you. Is there anything that you feel is in the way of God being able to speak to you about a situation or about you or about people that you're praying for? Second perspective is, Cultivate the habit of looking beyond the surface of things. And again, I think this is a theme in scripture that pops up all the time. The idea that there's more going on than is is obvious on the surface of things. So you see it in things like King David being chosen by the prophet Samuel and God saying to him, don't look at the appearance of all these people. They might look great for a king, but... I'm looking at the heart. I can see beyond the surface of things. You see it in things like Elisha talking to his servant when his servant is terrified and overwhelmed by life and by the things that are up against them. And Elisha says, God, open his eyes so he can see that there are more with us than against us. It's that sort of sense. There's more going on beneath the surface of things. It was said about Jesus. He knew what was in people's hearts in his interactions with people. There's this thing beyond the surface. Are you someone who is able to, and is asking God to show me what is really going on? And Paul prays this prayer, doesn't he? For the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that what? He prays for this sense of being enlightened inwardly, for the light to come in inwardly, so that we can know the hope to which we're called the riches of God's inheritance and the power, the incomparably great power for us that believe. So Paul, out of his journey with prayer, is saying there needs to be something that comes in from the outside, enlightening us 
so that we can know all of these things. And that is what Revelation is about. And then the third perspective is to be asking God to go from this. I think we're often asking God for wisdom. So put your hand up in the room. If you have asked God for wisdom for a situation or a circumstance in the last few, last months, say, ask God to give you wisdom. Right, it is so many of you because we know we need wisdom and it's hard to navigate through life. And Paul is saying wisdom is a good thing. He's praying for you and I and everyone to have wisdom. But he's also praying for revelation, the spirit of revelation in our lives and enlightenment within. Now, what's that about? I think that revelation is often counterintuitive. So when Paul prays, God, take away this thorn in the flesh, he's really thinking, take it away because I want to be an evangelist. I want to do all these things for you and it's crippling me, whatever it is. It's stopping me and I can see, God, what you need to do is take it away so that I will be this for you. And many of us might think that about lots of things, you know, the sense of, if only I wasn't so anxious. If you would just take away my anxiety, I'd be able to witness for you and tell everyone about you. Or if you took away this physical affliction, then I'd be able to get on with the job of bringing the kingdom in, which is what you want, isn't it, God? And so we can see that that, that's what we're looking for. But revelation is often counterintuitive. God will show us something in a situation is not what we necessarily would think of naturally ourselves. My power is made perfect in weakness. So I can actually rejoice in my weaknesses, rejoice in being insulted, and rejoice in being persecuted. That is counterintuitive. So when you're looking for revelation, sometimes, not always, there's no rules with this, but it's counterintuitive. Secondly, um, it speaks to your spirit. It doesn't bypass your mind, but it's not just for your mind. It's for your heart. Actually, sometimes God wants to reveal things to your heart that your heart can go somewhere where your mind can't quite get there. Your heart can go somewhere in love for a person when you can't even see the way that God could solve a situation. And you can have vision for a person, love for them, hope for their lives when you can't actually see how, how things could improve for them. And revelation is like that. It awakens something spirit to spirit and it, and it should lead us. We're supposed to lead our lives from our spiritual center, our connection to God, not just our intellects or our talents. Revelation also reveals hidden things in other people. So in the prophecy clinic, that's their kind of reason for being, if you like, is this sense that God wants to reveal things in people that they maybe even themselves aren't aware of or that we're not aware of in the natural so that it awakens hope that oh, I'm not totally stuck, but there's a way forward for me, that there are things in me that God sees. That's an amazing experience. It reveals hidden treasure. That's the heart of the prophetic um, ministry. Revelation is sometimes convicting. How many of us have been in situations where we feel angry and resistant and hardened towards another person because we feel we've been hurt or damaged and the situation is 
intractable and it feels impossible for it to budge. And sometimes what happens is God doesn't come along and sort the person out. He speaks to us about his nature or about our own sin. Maybe a heart posture that we've got or our own pride or our own resistance to a to forgiveness or something like that. So revelation can come to us spirit to spirit. And you see it in somebody like King David when he's sinned and he's stuck in this awful cycle of adultery and awful things. And you, and you read the Psalms of King David, particularly Psalm 51, and he just, he has had this revelation of the goodness and purity of God. And he's longing to be like that. That's what revelation feels like. It's an awakening within to love the things of God and to be pure like God and so it's you know that's something that can come to us via revelation and finally there's a, we all need to have a revelation of the father's love and it comes to us by revelation not just by information someone telling you today God loves you like a father it's got a, that information is going to come past a filter in your brain <laughs> Where father could be a whole mixture of things and your own experiences of being a father or it being fathered by somebody will be the filter through which we receive that information. But God, by his Holy Spirit, is able to come to you in your heart, in your spirit and say, I'm a different kind of father. And my fathering of you can heal you and set you free and enable you to be the best version of yourself, the person that I designed you to be. Because ultimately, revelation is not just for information or for the prophetic ministry. Revelation is really about knowing God. It's for intimacy with God. And it comes out of intimacy with God. One of my great heroes of the faith, Oswald Chambers, said this about that. He said, have you been asking God what he's going to do? He will never tell you. God does not tell you what he's going to do. He reveals to you who he is. And that's the ultimate goal of our prayer lives, actually. It's not for God to give us information about how to lead a better life. It is for us to know him, for him to reveal himself, and for us to be a people who walk with God in friendship, so that you can walk on the downs and in a way just not really expecting very much but God is able to reach in and do something and say something because of that intimacy with God and so um, revelation comes with a supernatural power to bring change and God wants us to be a people who walk in revelation who hear his voice and are able to respond and hear him speaking to us about our personal lives about the people that we love about our calling and the sense of what we're about in the world but ultimately revelation is this voice that says um, this is not all there is there is more going on than on the surface of things maybe in one of your life circumstances it's true to say that you need to hear God's voice that says it's not the end of the story everything is not determined things are not inevitable God can come by his living power into your circumstances, change you, change the people around you, change circumstances, 
and revelation in prayer is how one of God's ways into doing that. So I'm just going to end by praying and maybe um, as we go back into worship it would be a, a good moment to come and get some prayer because sometimes it really helps for somebody else to listen because the noise it can make it hard for us to hear but do do that if there's any life circumstance or even just that sense I felt today that it's always on God's heart to reveal in a fresh way his fatherly love towards us and how good a God he is, how good he is. So I pray for us today, God, that in the noise, in the noise of this world with all its conflict and in the noise within, today we would hear your voice. Help us be people who you can speak to. Let us be a people who are friends with you, God. And for those whose hearts feel lost and adrift, I pray that there would be a revelation of the Father's love for you today. Supernaturally communicating God's spirit to your spirit, that you are loved beyond measure loved and held by the loving God. In Jesus' name, amen.